Good morning and welcome. Welcome to week seven of our series, Living with Hope in a Difficult World, as we're going through the book of First Peter. And today we're going to talk about finding hope in unjust suffering. You know, when reading the Bible, there's an important truth to remember uh, if we're going to accurately interpret what it's saying, uh, what, it, what, what the Bible is saying to us uh, today, and that is that one, as, as uh, a Bible teacher I, I, I knew used to say, all meaning is context-dependent. All meaning is context-dependent. That means that when we look at any book or passage of Scripture, in order to faithfully determine what it's saying to us today, we have to look at the context of the passage. And that includes both the literary context as well as the cultural context. And that's really essential today in particular as we finish chapter 2 of 1 Peter uh, and next week as we begin chapter 3. So let's look at this. Peter begins this section uh, with the instruction to live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers. Or as the NLT says, live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. So he's instructing them on how to live in the midst of an unbelieving pagan culture that surrounds them. And as I read through this letter, I'm reminded of how far our culture has drifted from its Judeo-Christian roots on which uh, this country was really founded. Uh, we've gone so far from that. So anyway, as, as Peter tells his readers how uh, uh, how they are to act and how they are to order their lives while living in a culture surrounded by unbelievers, we can apply what Peter is saying to his readers to, you know, uh, uh, applying what, what uh, he says to their situation, we can apply to ours. Because while our situations are not identical, there are a lot of parallels. Uh, you know, as the church then and the church to today are both having to learn how to live and respond as resident aliens, representing Christ in and to a culture that is often hostile to uh, our faith. So Peter began by addressing our relation to the authorities over us, and we talked about that last week. We saw that we are to honor and respect the authorities that are over us. It's not based on their character not on whether they deserve it or not, but simply because of the position that they hold, we should show honor and respect. Uh, we also said that showing honor and respect does not equate with agreement. Uh, it's regardless of their beliefs or regardless of the positions they hold on any given issues. Uh, no matter how much we disagree with the person in authority over us, we're to show them honor and respect because of their position that they hold. Then Peter addresses slaves. He turns to address slaves who are hearing this letter read in the church. So before we get into this, I want us to understand a couple of things. First of all, when we talk about slaves, slavery in the first century did not look like what we think of today when we think of like the Atlantic slave trade in the first century of our country's existence. It was very different than that. It looked very different. It's not to give the impression that it was good at all because it wasn't. But it wasn't like what we typically think of when we think of slavery. 
Uh, and that's, again, that's not to say that it should be viewed in any way as acceptable. It was just different. Uh, second, and this is very important, Peter, when he writes this, uh, is, and, and the same thing with Paul's letters when he addressed, you know, uh, or, or addressed slaves. Um, Peter is not endorsing, embracing, excusing, or in any way justifying the practice of slavery in any form. He's not promoting it, endorsing it, any, any of that. It's important because this passage and similar passage in Paul's letters uh, were sometimes used to justify the practice of slavery in our country's histories. That was a total misuse of Scripture, total misuse. Peter isn't addressing the institution of slavery. He's simply telling those who are slaves who have become believers how they as believers were to respond in their situation. That's all. He was addressing the behavi their behavior as believers in their, uh, uh, in, in their current situation, not the institution of slavery itself, and, and that is so key. You see, they were slaves who heard the gospel and believed in Christ. So now they have freedom in Christ, but yet they're still enslaved. They're still slaves. So what are they to do? That's the big question. They're now believers, they're resident aliens living in the midst of unbelievers, but, but that's not all. See, as believers, they are now representing Christ to the world. So how they live is a, refle uh, is a reflection on the Lord. That's what we need to understand as we begin to read this passage uh, in order to see what Peter is actually saying. So with that understanding, let's pick up in 1 Peter 2, verse 18, where it says, You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they're kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. Pause there just a minute. There's two parts here about submitting to somebody. One is action. In other words, it's doing what was asked of them. He's saying you need to do what you, what's asked of you. You need to do what you're being told to do. And the other was it, part of submitting to somebody is our attitude, our mindset in doing what was asked. You know, do we do something grumbling, or and and complaining, or in in, in doing what we're told to do? Are we respectful? Um, are we disrespectful? I mean, that's the uh, that's the thing that's being uh, addressed here. So again, just like when Peter said to show respect and honor to the authorities over us, as we talked about last week, he says to those who are believing slaves to submit to their masters, to show them respect regardless of how they are treated. Again, here's what we need to understand. How we respond to people and treat them is not dependent on anything that they do to us. It is to come from out of who we are in Christ. We represent Christ to the unbelievers all around us. And our response and our attitude is always a choice. Now, we're not slaves today, but 
Some of you know what it is to work for someone who is harsh and unreasonable. Uh, I've said before that I, I worked for a man a number of years ago, and this guy, there was just simply no pleasing him. I would do things the way he, he, he told me to do them, and a couple of days later, he would come and tell me not to do things that way, but to do things a totally different way. And the scenario would keep repeating it himself, uh, would keep repeating itself. He'd tell me to do it like this, and I would. And then he said, no, 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 you know, a day or two later, no, no, don't do that. Do it like this instead um, over and over. And to top it off, I had several years of experience in what I was doing, and he had none at all. Uh, but he was a manager, so I had to learn to submit to what he said, and even when it ma didn't make sense, and even what it, when it was the opposite of what I was previously told. But here's the point in telling all of this. I had to learn that it wasn't about what I was being asked to do as much as how I responded to it. I had to learn to respond with respect and a right attitude. It wasn't about him. It was about me learning how to relate with a respectful attitude and without complaining to everyone else. So um, uh, it's a lesson we need to learn. Uh, an important lesson that I had to learn. Let's continue reading, verse 19. For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Suffering is a part of life. As long as we are on this earth, there will be suffering. But there is a difference between suffering because we did something wrong, suffering because wrong that we have done, and suffering because of wrong done to us when we did nothing at all to deserve it. When we were living as God wants us to live, and yet someone gets upset and doesn't like it and causes suffering in our lives because of it. Peter tells us that if we suffer as a result of wrong things we've done, then it's no credit to us. We're getting what we deserve. But if we're suffering unjustly, you know, if we did nothing to deserve it, truthfully, then God is pleased with us when we endure it patiently, just as Jesus did. So let's look at how we patiently endure unjust suffering. We do it by following the example of Christ when he personally suffered unjust treatment. So what did he do? These four things. One, he resisted retaliation. 
We endure unjust treatment by resisting retaliation. Verse 23 says he did not retaliate when he was insulted. When Jesus was insulted and treated harshly, he resisted the urge to get back. He resisted the urge to retaliate in kind. And this can be hard to do because in our flesh, we typically want to lash back. We want to retaliate. We want to get back at them. When someone makes us suffer, suffer, we want to make them suffer. We want to make them feel the pain that we feel. But that's not how Jesus operated. He didn't operate that way. He did not retaliate. Now, along with resisting retaliation, we endure by refusing vengeful threats. Verse 23, again, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. Jesus was unjustly insulted, ridiculed, and yet he endured it in silence. You know, often when people insult us, when they ridicule us, the temptation we feel is to respond in kind. But that's not the way Jesus modeled for us. In whatever situation we find ourselves in, we can always look to Jesus as our model for how to respond. He never escalated the situation by returning insult for insult. He never tried to, to back down a threat with a greater threat or another threat. Instead, he just remained calm. He remained control in, uh, in control of himself. And the third thing that Jesus modeled for us was resting in God's care. Again, in verse 23, he left his case in the hands of God. He left it in the hands of God. When we suffer unjustly, Rather than taking the matter into our own hands, we can entrust our situation to God's care to let him handle it, knowing that he is much more capable of handling any situation we might find ourselves in than we are. Our Heavenly Father sees all things, knows all things, and can work in ways that we cannot even imagine if we'll just leave it in his hands. So rest in the fact that he knows how to care for you. And then the fourth thing is we rely on his character. We endure unjust suffering by relying on God's character. You can rely on, you can trust in God's character. All of verse 23 says, He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, and here's a key, who always judges fairly. God always judges fairly. Because that's who he is. He's God. He is a righteous judge. He is a God of justice. It's his character. So we can trust him. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. 
so we can just we can we can can uh, uh, rely on the fact that he will judge fairly. That's our hope. That's our confidence. Let's pray. Lord, when we are called on to suffer, when it's not because of something we did, but simply because we are following you, when we suffer unjustly, give us the strength and give us the grace. Give us the backbone and the spiritual fortitude, Lord, to resist retaliating, getting back at the person, and to refuse to engage in threatening them back, full of vengeance and, and, and wickedness in our hearts. Let us refuse the, 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 the temptation to, to just throw back vengeful threats at them. Help us to rest in your care, knowing that you are able to take care of us, no matter what comes our way, no matter what anybody does to us, no matter what anybody says to us, you are able to care for us. And help us to rely on your character, knowing that you are always faithful, you are always trustworthy, and we can count on you. You will make all things right. The day is coming. The day is coming when you will right all wrongs. And we look forward to that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now for the benediction. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. God bless you. Let's have some more worship. <laughs>